Welcome to All Things Liturgical with your hosts, Colonel Jack Staples and His Grace, Bishop Mark Winden, Bishop Prelate of the Oxford Anglican Church. And we are here with Bishop Mark in the first program uh, in this line. I want to start by just getting to know who you are, uh, who you are as a person, as a Christian, who you are in the church. So we're going to be asking you a few questions. Okay. And my first question for everybody is, what is your earliest memory of Christianity? I would have to say as childhood, uh, pretty much it was a TV thing. Really? Yes. Um, the whole televangelist TV programs, seeing these things on, on TV and and being fascinated by them. Wow. Um, so I was probably a lot older than most. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking, you know, nine, ten years old when it finally caught my attention. Right. But I even remember taking those things into play. Mm-hmm. I would take a towel and fold it and wear it around my neck like a stole and... Nice. services and go to the swimming pool in the summer and splash people with the pool water and tell them it was holy water. And <laughs> okay, I have a very strange <laughs> question from left field, and it's based on a memory that I have from a neighbor child. Mm-hmm. Did you ever try to baptize a cat? No. Just curious, because I had a neighbor who did and walked around with the scars for weeks. <laughs> it was quite entertaining for me, not so much for him. Um. So you actually took what you saw on television, mm-hmm. and you internalized it to a certain extent, right. and you, you brought it into your play, including uh, baptizing people at the pool, whether they knew it or not. Yes. Uh, excellent. How do you or at th- least chasing the demons away from people at the pool. Fair enough. I mean, it was a lot of old movies, too. Right. Where, you know, the Catholic priest and ceremony, and mm-hmm. it just amazes me. What effect do you think that that had on you as a whole, as you as you got older and started to understand more? How much of that is still rooted in what you saw and picked up on as a child, do you think? A lot. Um, only because, I mean, I loved the ceremony, the richness, the, I mean, that's it's what I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have taken that through most of my life, even when my you know teenage rebellious years where Christianity wasn't where I wanted to be, mm-hmm. I still sought out spiritual enlightenment and through other forms of ritual and so talk to us a little bit about that uh, after you 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 got a little older, you're no longer playing. Right. The part that you saw on television and the movies. Where did that lead you? What, tell us about your teenage years a little bit. Um, well, strangely enough, I came... I had a really f- strange family upbringing. My, I grew up in the, in the Methodist tradition. Um, we would go to church all the time. And then I'm not even sure the reasoning. My parents never explained it. Things just kind of quit. And they quit until I was about 14, 15 years old. 
and I felt the drive to go back to church. And that was the only tradition I knew, and so I sought out a Methodist church, and Mm -hmm. we went back and, you know, went through what was then a Methodist church that was very rich in tradition, very rich in ritual. I mean, the clergy still wore their black academic gowns and stoles, and there were seasons of the church, and Mm -hmm. you couldn't take communion unless you were confirmed. Right. The good old days. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike today, it's Methodist church, not that I'm on the Methodists, but things have changed drastically in the last 40 years. <laughs> surely, surely. Um, I just want to pursue a little bit more about uh, your teenage years. You said that when you turned 14, uh, you felt... I don't know why, and I really don't know why. And I approached my parents and told them I wanted to go back to church, and they really didn't have a reason why we shouldn't go back to church. And so... Um, you know, we just started going back, and have, they have been active ever since. Um, you know, so you basically brought your parents back to the brought church? my parents back to the church. Excellent. So you started um, evangelizing <laughs> at an early age then, uh, from uh, uh, swimming pool from, baptisms yes. to uh, taking your parents back taking to church. My parents back to church, and then like I said, in that whole teenage thing, uh, I was very. I guess the term today is socially active. I really wanted to, you know, help the world. You know, as every good, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid can help the world. Right. Um, me and the Methodist Church had a disagreement over some of their financial issues. Okay. And so, as everybody does, you know, you just blame God. Of course. Not the institution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you wonder, and I went on what I called my vision quest for a number of years. I explored Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, was a pagan for a while, um, you know, continued down that road and kept looking and looking and looking. And like I said, almost everywhere I went, there was always a form of ritual, a form of you know, a ceremony, every one of these religions incorporates that. Um, And I just reached a point when I was in the Air Force, I was about 20 years, 22, 23 years old, proclaimed to be a pagan at the time. And I just woke up one day and I was like, this is a lot of work. Almost all of these religions, all of these um, groups, require an awful lot of work. Christianity was so much easier. You didn't have to keep up with multiple gods and what god was in season and which one was out and <laughs> where you were going and who was there and what we were supposed to do. And and so standing on the fire escape of my barracks in Grand Forks, North Dakota, I just stood there and told God that I have renounced all of it and I want to come home. And the word that kept passing through my head time and time again was I was baptized. That lifeline had always been there. Jesus never left me, no matter where I was. And I could come back whenever I was ready. And so that was my uh, march back into Christianity and realized that I was needed to stop running. <laughs> nice. So you basically had a 
prodigal mo- prodigal son moment where you realized that you'd left home and it was time to come back. Yes. So you could be lazy. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. I would just want to remind those who might be walking into a room where someone's listening to the podcast that we are talking about all things liturgical, but we're starting by getting to know one of the hosts, uh, Bishop Mark Winden of the Oxford Anglican Church. Uh, tell us a little bit more about from the time that you decided to come back from the fire escape, which I find to be very, <laughs> very nice, by the way. Uh, from that time on the fire escape, what led you from there to being in the Oxford Anglican Church? Take your time. I know there's a lot of history there, but I just want to know a little bit more about that path. Um, it was a strange path. Lots of twists and turns. I uh, continued in the Air Force for a few more years. Continued in my Air Force ways for a few more years. You know, it was you know working and partying since what the military is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, realized that there was something more. When I got actually got married my last year um, in the Air Force, my wife was a Reformed Catholic who came into the Episcopal Church. Hmm. I was a spiritual person, but not necessarily bound by tradition. Okay. Life continues. We have a child. You know, you hear this all the time. Okay, now that we have children, we need to get back in the church because it's, it's the thing to do. My wife refused to become a Methodist. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll give this Episcopal thing a try. Met a wonderful priest at a local parish that literally led me down the trail. Nice. Um, taught me about the sacraments, taught me the history of the church. I mean, a new confirmation, a new confirmation class, and everything that was involved with that. Um, got very active in that church, but church politics being what they are, mm-hmm. or to put it the way it was phrased to me, the little old ladies don't want to get involved in the community. Wow. They like coming to church and hearing their sermons and receiving communion and going home. Let's not talk to them about the hungry or the naked or the poor. Wow. <laughs> so this priest ended up retiring because he didn't want to deal with it. He couldn't get the congregation to change the way he thought we should go. Mm-hmm. The way I thought we should go. I mean, he left... And so I started searching for a new parish, visited every Episcopal church in the surrounding area, could not find anything I liked. Eventually saw an ad in a Saturday paper for a group that was meeting known as the Charismatic Episcopal Church. Little parish in town, I'd go give them a try. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is not a mainline Episcopal church that I'm going to be comfortable with. 
went to one service. I found out years later as I was leaving, both the priest and the curate there had a bet going that I would never return from the look on my face. It was wow. the first time I've experienced talking in tongues, first time I experienced liturgical dance, first time I experienced a whole <laughs> gamut of things mixed in with the liturgy that I knew so well. <laughs> you know, as, as, as a uh, former Methodist, I'm sure that's pretty heady stuff. Yes, it was. So why did you go back? I don't know. And I guess it's just that Holy Spirit drive. The way I look at it now, that it, it's probably what it was. Mm-hmm. Back then I wasn't sure. Matter of fact, I went back to my Akusa priest and repented <laughs> for going into the Charismatic Episcopal group. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> and I stayed there two more Sundays and left and went back to St. Michael's, which was the name of the church, um, and was there what seemed like forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where my formation came from. You know, I did the whole acolyte master thing. I served as an acolyte and assisting and et cetera, et cetera. And I was sitting on, uh, we had a visiting bishop. He came to ordain a deacon. And I was sitting in the front row, the good acolyte that I was, and he's preaching about restoring the diaconate and what it really meant to the church and the, you know, the whole idea of waiting tables. And, and prior to this, I had made or was about to make application to a lay evangelist group within the Episcopal Church known as the Church Army. Um, and then I, when I left the Mainline Episcopal Church, I just kind of shelved that for a bit while I was thinking and praying and meditating. And when he started giving the history of the diaconate, a little light bulb went over my head. And the voice in my head, which is as plain as me speaking here today, said, that's where you need to be. Never heard of the diaconate before. The, you know, to be honest with you, the deacons were not very... There weren't a lot of them right. in those days. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen more deacons in my life in the last 10 years than I've seen in the first 40. Wow. <laughs> but I heard that voice, and after that service, I went to the parish priest, and I was like, how do I make this happen? And so made application to the church, and lots and lots of years of lectures and study, and they had what was nicknamed the Old Man Reading Program. Mm-hmm. which I think formerly was known as the Oxford. Uh, basically, it's like the old days when you used to read for the law. Right. You could read for holy orders. Interesting. And it was it was open to guys who had established lives. We really couldn't give up our jobs and wives, families, and house payments and car payments to go to college. Right. And so they brought it to you. We worked with a mentor. We had a list of books, and we read the books and worked with the mentors and took tests and... So it worked out pretty nice. I was eventually ordained a deacon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like I said, it's one of those don't ever tell God you're not going to do something. Because <laughs> I was like, I will be a deacon for the rest of my life. This is where I was called to be. Well, you know, uh, quick observation. I understand why you would feel that way just based on our conversation today. Because the things that I keep hearing you come back to is ceremony mm-hmm. and social service, which is... As far as I can tell, 
as good a summary of the Dakinet as anything else might Very be. Very true. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down, let us get to know a little bit more about you, and uh, help us learn how you went from a child uh, baptizing your neighbors in the t- pool while they didn't know it and chasing <laughs> off the demons, all the way through the Dakinet in the uh, Charismatic Episcopal Church. And uh, if you don't mind, if you come back and talk with us a little bit more about some more of your life, we'll pry even more. Be glad to do it. Thank you very much. You are listening to All Things Liturgical, and we have been having a conversation here with Bishop Mark Wyndon of the Oxford Anglican Church. You've been listening to All Things Liturgical with your hosts, Colonel Jack Staples, and His Grace, Bishop Mark Wyndon of the Oxford Anglican Church. We've had a good time sharing and learning a little bit more about Bishop Mark uh, on this show. Coming up next Friday at godswolf.org, you'll be hearing more about his life and we'll start exploring a little bit more about things liturgical and in the episodes following we'll be getting more and more in depth about all things liturgical specifically within the Oxford Anglican Church and this will be a bi-weekly program posted on Wednesday nights and Friday nights we very much look forward to having Bishop Mark and Colonel Jack back in the studios again my name is Father Scott May God go before you to guide you, behind you to protect you, above you to shield you, and beside you to be your friend.